The silence lasted 400 years. For a nation that was used to hearing the voice of God, 400 years became a deathly silence. For a nation that experienced the power of God, had received his laws and his commandments. For a nation that had seen the many miracles. For a nation that had heard from the prophets. The silence was indeed very difficult. 400 years between the last words of a prophet to the time of the New Testament was a difficult period of time for the nation of Israel. There were times where, you know, they raised up a military and were able for a brief period of time to be free of the bondage of other nations that had come to take ownership of the land of Israel. But one nation, one nation was just too powerful, and that was Rome. Rome had a firm grip on that region. And for many of the people in Israel, because of the silence of God, they wondered if God had not only forgotten about them, but had forgotten about the very promises that he made to them. And in that silence, what began to happen was the people would look for any opportunity to hear God in the midst of their experience. And over time and in those 400 years, even to the time that Jesus came, the anticipation of a deliverer, a Messiah, a Savior, one who would come to save the nation was growing to a fever, fever pitch. Because after all, God had made a promise. After all, God had said. After all, the prophets had proclaimed. And yet in the 400 years of silence, the people wondered if God had forgotten about them and had forgotten about his promises to them. And when God did decide to speak, when the 400 years had come to an end in God's providential timing, he didn't speak to another prophet. He didn't speak to the one in charge. He didn't speak to the people collectively. He sent his angel to proclaim the start of of his plan to a young teenage girl. And the 400 years of silence were now becoming a dramatic movement in the history of time where God was about to do something dramatic. Now, we all know that story. We all know the part of Joseph and Mary... And the virgin birth. And them being caught up in 
an inn where the birth happened in a major. And this child that enters into the world, you know, we have, you know, for centuries now have celebrated this birth. And as we continue to do so, I want to I look at a couple of passages this morning that are really kind of mysterious. Can we say mysterious for, for a moment? You know, um, I have at home five nativity scenes at home. And they're all different. We have five nativity scenes at home. Okay, we have five. Right? And in every nativity scene, you know, it's, it's, it's totally different. We set up the people different. But we know the story. It's very familiar. Our grandson comes around and he, he, he collects Jesus in all the different nativities. And he walks around with him in his hand to go, I got Jesus. You know, five times I got Jesus, you know. And we're so familiar with the story. But there are some beautiful passages in the story that, you know, in particular I want to look at today. Because it really speaks to the heart of something that we often miss, you know. It's, it's a beautiful story in, in, in an objective sense and, and all of that. But what about the people involved in the story? What are they experiencing? And from what we know in their experience, what does it teach us about our experience as well? Because we often treat this story as... A one-time fulfillment, and we understand that. Theologically, we, we understand that. But there's something about the character and the nature of God. There's something about the character and the nature of Jesus. There's something about this that becomes important for all of us to recognize in the story. That becomes very real for us today. Because when God begins to speak... Do we hear his voice? Do we recognize his voice? And do we understand how dramatically our lives are going to change when he begins to do that in our own lives? You know, I, I, love, the, I love the story of the angels, um, you know, the skies opening up and the heavenly hosts proclaiming the arrival of a baby to all the shepherds that are in the fields. And the shepherds go into the city of Bethlehem. And by the way, it wasn't a silent night probably. Okay? Because it says they made a lot of noise telling everybody about what had happened, you know, and what they had seen and, and, and all of that. So they made a big ruckus. So here's, here's, here's the closing part of that particular section of... Of the shepherds. After seeing him, Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, were astonished. But, but, everyone's astonished. Everyone, you know, can't get over what they're hearing. 
But I love this line. I love this line. But, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I think that's one of the most beautiful passages in the entire Christmas story. Because it tells us and it reveals to us very much what is happening for Mary. This woman, you know, you know can, I, can I just tell you something for a minute? Do you know that I, I searched far and wide, inter, in, internet, Google, you, you name it, <laughs> books, um, desperately finding somebody who would give an insight as to this one verse. And you know what? I heard crickets. Crickets. What do you do with this particular passage? Do you know who only, you know, the only people that wrote about this line at all were the Catholics. Were the Catholics. Because of their veneration of Mary, because of how important. They're the only ones that said Mary's experience is our experience. That when God begins to speak in our lives, when God begins to touch our hearts, when God begins to do something, when God becomes, begins to change the environment, when God begins to stir your heart. Okay? I love what Sarah said. When God began to woo my heart, this is what's going on. Here is Mary. You know, every, listen, every mom in this room that's had a child, you know what this is about. That you wander, that you ponder, that you weigh the reality, that you weigh the circumstances, that, that you know. I, I love the fact that Mary doesn't react to anything. That she pauses, steps back and go, what is going on? <laughs> what is happening? That this is an amazing experience. And it's, and it, and it's like... And it's like we've been there where, where we, we experience something in such a way that we don't have words for it. We can't manage it. We can't, we can't put our finger on it. We just know that something is going on that is stirring our heart in a way that God is speaking to us in a way that we can't explain. And we know that it's deepening our faith, that it's touching our hearts, that it's, and it's allowing us to weigh the reality of what is going on in the world in a, in, in, in a matter that we couldn't have done without the experience itself. It's, the terminology here is pondered, preserved, treasured, wrestled with, ruminated, guarded, kept safe, and sound. Even, even the thought of keeping these things in her heart and she thought about them often, even in, in Greek means to investigate everything in light of what she knew. Imagine what she's experienced so far. The angel coming to her saying, the shepherds coming to her, having, having, having the birth, having everything happen according to what God had said and what God had proclaimed. And she kept these things in her heart. What happens? What happens when God begins to speak? Is our heart open? Do we hear? How do we respond? You know, and, and you know what? This isn't the only place where this happens. I love, I, I love 12, year, you know, 12 years later when Jesus is 12 years old. And Luke goes on. And by the way... 
Many believe that Luke got a first-hand account for, to, for his gospel right from Mary. And that's why he's writing this. Mary's actually telling him parts of the story. And she's, you know, and he's expressing this. And it's beautiful. But 12 years later, they take Jesus to Jerusalem. It's about a three or four day journey. And this is a comic, to me, it's a comical story. Because imagine being able to say, we lost the son of God. We thought he would, they, they went to the, they went to the temple for, and, and to celebrate Passover. And Jesus is 12 years old. He's now of age to be able to go and do it. And you can tell that this is a large caravan of people that went into Jerusalem and they went alongside and Mary and Joseph decided to go home because you know, the festival was over and three three days out, they realized Jesus isn't with them. They've left him behind. So for three days, they looked for him, and they finally found him. (laughs) That's a parent's nightmare, isn't it, right? You know, know, what are your prayers at night uh, during that moment, right? Uh, God, uh, we've we've lost your son. Like, anyway, you know, like, you imagine what the prayers would have been? (laughs) Anyway, that's, notice that's not in the Bible anywhere, right? Okay. But they find Jesus in the temple. Relieved. And Jesus says, you know, don't you know I got to be about my father's business? Here's that. Here's the closing section of that particular experience. Then Jesus returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And by the way, the Greek terminology for was obedient to them is that Jesus was absolutely um, committed to what his parents wanted for him. Like the, the, the term of obedience there is that he was the best of the best. He was a good boy. Like that identifies his entire upbringing that he was never a problem, okay? So uh, it's very interesting that that terminology is in there. And, and look at this passage. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. It's repeated again. And I'm struck by those two passages. That at the birth of Jesus... And at the 12-year mark, we have this insight into the heart of Mary. This person who has been granted this incredible blessing by God. This person who is marked for greatness for whatever reason. We don't know. Why Mary? Why not someone else? And yet in the experience that she's having, she treasures these things in her heart. She weighs the entire experience in her heart. What things? You know, the angel Gabriel's words, her cousin Elizabeth's words, the shepherd's words, 
the Old Testament words about the Messiah coming, she is realizing that in the providence of God, in the history of everything that, 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 that God had done in the nation of Israel, it is now culminating right here, right now. And she is part of the greatest gift that God is giving to the world. And the weight of that is not being missed on her. And the weight of that is not, you know... Is, is bringing her to a place of humility and a place of recognition and a place of pondering and seeing the hand of God in everything that is going on with her son. It's an incredible gift of grace. So she's adding to this treasure house. She's adding to this store in her, in her heart of all that is happening to her. You know... I think one of the things that we miss about Mary. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. (laughs) Saying hi to you or hi to me? Yeah. Okay. Just all right. Hi, Peter. I lost my thought now. Thing we, the thing we miss, the, the thing we, okay, the thing we miss. I happen to think Mary's very intelligent. Of course. <laughs> Sing! <laughs> I didn't mean that in a derogatory way, okay? Intelligent in the sense that she is recognizing the hand of God in everything. And, you know, we talk, you know, we treat her like, you know, she's gotten the revelation from the angel and all this kind of stuff. But it's much more than that. She is seeing the big picture. She is seeing what God is doing. She is recognizing what's going on in the world. She's, she's, you know, treasuring these things up because she knows it's huge. She knows it's beyond her. She knows it's bigger than her. She knows that this is the wondrous thing of God that is happening. And I think for many of us in our culture and many of us in our world, we miss that. We miss that. That we go around in our lives and it's just like hit this, bump that, take this, you know, all that kind of stuff. And how many times do we sit back, pause back, you know, kind of weigh the circumstances of what is going on and say, hey, God is doing something here. I think, I, I think that's, the, that, that's in many ways the point of all this. You know, it could have been written very easily as a story and it really cute and all this kind of stuff. But why reveal what is going on in the heart of Mary in the midst of an amazing, you know, act of God? What does it teach us about life? What does it teach us about what we need to see and to know? What happens when God starts to stir something in your heart? Ask yourself, how many of you have ever had something stir in your heart? And you knew it was God doing something in you. 
And I know it's not a Mary situation. No, it's not a Joseph situation. No, it's not, you know, but what happens when God stirs something in their heart, right? You know what happens for many of us, for some of us? When God starts stirring in our hearts, fear usually rises up. The other thing that happens is, you know, um, we, we ignore it. Or we say it's just a passing, you know, just something passing. She filtered her experience through her understanding of God and his plan for her life. And I think that's the beautiful part about this story. That Mary fully was understanding that this was something much bigger than her. She was fully understanding that even though she, she may have this place in history, it was purely by the providential act of God. It was purely by the grace of God. It was purely the gift of God. And she was being used in a way that was miraculous. Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. They sunk deeply into her. There was a hush and an awe about it. There's a reverence about it, a holiness to it all. But how many of us have felt the proddings of God in our own lives and thought that they were insignificant or thought it was irrelevant or you saw it as unimportant or as an unusual twist of fate We're just seeing it as nothing more than a beautiful story that had happened in your life. We don't have, we don't have in our culture, we don't have in our society, these moments of pause where we weigh the wonder of God in our own lives and we put it together. We don't. There's a part of us that, that, you know, if it's not written clearly for us, we don't know what to do with it. We just kind of shove it aside. I want to ask, I want to ask you a number of questions that come out of this passage. And see how you respond to them. Is God speaking in your life? Is God speaking in your life? And if he is, am I truly hearing him? Now, some of you are going to say, how do I even know God is speaking in my life? How do you you even know? There is one clear way to know, and I think this happens even in Mary's life, is that you experience the tension of everything that's going on around you. See, if you're a believer here this morning, and everything is comfortable, everything is easy, everything is sailing along... Can I tell you that's probably where you need to worry? That should probably frighten you. Okay? There, there needs to be in every believer's life, okay, tension. Not with your spouse. Let's get this right, okay? And not with the people that you love and all that stuff. But there needs to be some element of tension in your life. There's something that the Spirit of God is prodding in you 
Because there's something that's not right. There's something that, that is causing tension in your life. I mean, when you, you feel that tension in your life, is it, who is it? Is it Andy Stanley says, when, you know, pay attention to the tension. Okay? You need to pay attention to the tension. And if there's a tension in your life, that's God likely prodding something in your own heart, in your own life. So if God is speaking to you, are you listening? And if there is a tension there, pray about it. What is it? Why is it there? What is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to, to, to you know, to communicate to me? What is it that I need to change? Where do I need? All of those kinds of things. Is God speaking to your heart? And if he is, are you listening? Are you truly hearing what he has to say? Here's the second one. Am I able to weigh the situations in my life in light of God's word, in light of his promises, and in light of his character? Am I able to weigh the situations like, like, like Mary? Mary knew what the angel had told, heard from her cousin Elizabeth, knew the situation, and yet in the midst of the experience... She treasured all those things in her heart. And I, you know what? And I think it's more than just a mom treasuring a child and what's happening. It's much more than that for her. Because we all know, we all know that whenever a baby is born, it changes at least one life dramatically. Right? Especially the moms. So am I able to weigh the situations in my life in light of God's word, his promises, and his character? Here's the third one. Am I allowing fear, ignorance, or arrogance to build a wall around my heart that stops me from pondering and weighing the things of God? Am I allowing fear, ignorance, or arrogance to build a wall around my heart that stops me from pondering the things of God. You see, I happen to believe that God is constantly in communication with his creation. I happen to think that God is trying constantly to get our attention. I think God is constantly trying to have his voice heard in our lives. But I think there's certain uh, fears, there's certain you know, situations in our lives where we block a God out. And many of us want to be so busy all the time because we're afraid of what God might possibly say. We're afraid of what God might possibly demand of us. And so we don't listen. And we don't listen. Here's the last one. Am I guilty of seeing the Christmas story as irrelevant or even cute or even cute? And not worth giving it a second thought to weigh the things of God. Now you're going to be. I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to close, and you're going to be really upset with me. Some of you're going to be really upset with me. Okay. And forgive me. I just pondering this passage. <laughs> You know, I ended up at a Christmas concert, um, public public school Christmas concert. You know, and um, you're going to be really upset with me. I know. 
But all we did was sing about the weather. You know, that's what we're teaching. Is we just sing about the weather. Oh, the weather. And since we got a place to go, yeah, you're right, you got no place to go. I heard, I heard at least a dozen times believe, and I heard a dozen times about what the season's all about. But no one ever clarified it. No one ever said, believe in what? To the point that I, you know, every time they said it, I was in the seat going, what? And I'm getting, you know, right? Just, okay. <laughs> but that's, okay, don't be mad at me. But I thought to myself, boy, it, it's cute. It's cute, but it's empty. It's cute, but it's empty. And we all know it, right? Can we just, we all know it, all right? And, and there are many of you who are part of that, and you know it. But that's just the world we live in, right? That's just the, the place that we are. But I love the fact that the weight of the reality, the weight of what Mary was experiencing drew her closer to God, drew her in a way where she recognized that God was speaking and she was listening and she was collecting everything about the life of Jesus. And you know what? I happen to think that it comforted her at the cross. That for a mother watching her son be crucified was the only thing, the only thing that would have given her any kind of comfort in that moment was these two passages that we're looking at. That she pondered these things in her heart. I think that's the only thing that allowed her to be able to manage that in the least as a mom. And if you remember, if you remember, after the ascension, Mary is in the upper room with all the other disciples praying with them before the inception of the church. I think it's these moments where Mary recognized very much the hand of God. And she managed her entire life in light of his purposes and in light of his plan. If God is speaking, are you listening? And what difference is it making in your life? Father in heaven, thank you for the life of Mary. Just the incredible insight that we have from Scripture that Luke gives us here. And Lord, these are difficult, difficult passages to fully understand what it is that Mary is pondering and weighing. Because there's just so much behind Those two simple sentences. 
But Lord, it does reveal the character and the nature of the person you chose to carry your son. Thank you that we can have her insight that when you speak, Lord, how best we treasure those things in our heart. May this Christmas season be one where we pause, where we ponder, where we weigh, where we understand, where we continue to add the experiences of our lives to what we know of the hope that we have through the Christmas story. And may it invigorate us and carry us through all the difficult situations and circumstances of life in a way that nothing else can. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.